Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. This episode is brought to you by Ride On Optics. They make fantastic, fantastic equipment, and then they also have the Ride On Revolution on their website, which is a huge educational platform. Honestly, everything over at Ride On is super cool, and we're excited to have them as a sponsor. So go to rideonoptics.com and check them out. That's R-I-T-O-N-Optics.com. If you guys want to be a part of the Nomad Strength Tribe membership, this is an awesome community that we are building and it's growing all the time and there's tons of exclusive content happening over there. You go to tribe.nomad-strength.com. We've got exclusive calls, exclusive content, articles, videos, uh, behind the scenes things for the podcast, coaching opportunities, all kinds of stuff that are happening over there. And it's really becoming a special thing as far as a community goes. So go to tribe.nomad-strength.com and check it out. It's only 15 bucks a month and you get a free week trial if you go sign up on tribe.nomad-strength.com. Hope to see you in there. All right, what's going on everybody? Welcome to a solo episode of the Nomad Strength Show. Uh, I did an Ask Me Anything prompt on Instagram recently. I haven't done one of the Ask Me Anything episodes for a while, so I just wanted to see what you guys want me to answer. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, not going to do as many today. I got a lot of really good questions, but a couple of them I actually were th was thinking about doing a show kind of on anyways. And so when I got these questions uh, that I'm going to answer today, it kind of just made more sense to, to focus a little bit more time on these two things because uh, I was already kind of thinking of doing it anyways. Um, but before we get into that, if you guys have not done so yet, uh, please go like and follow or subscribe or you know whatever it is on the platform you listen to uh, and rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so yet. Uh, it's one of the biggest things that 
that you guys as listeners can do to help the show grow. Not that I'm putting the responsibility on you, but it does help when we get a lot of good uh, five-star reviews and, and awesome written reviews, which are a lot of really awesome reviews, which is cool. And I believe now actually Spotify has the ability to do uh, like a star rating. I don't think they can do written reviews yet, but they do have a star rating on Spotify. So that's very recent. Um, but if you wouldn't mind going and just doing, you know, spending one minute and doing a quick little uh, review of the show and, and rate it, it would really help and continue to grow this thing. There are some pretty big announcements coming up in the next probably week uh, that are going to help even grow the show more, which is going to be awesome. I'm really excited about this, and uh, I'll do a little bit more on that next week. But uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just please going and and rating and reviewing the show. It would mean a lot. So let's dive into a couple of these questions that I got uh, from the Instagram Ask me anything. There's it's like two, and then a, you know there is a third, but it's it that one isn't going to take as long to to go over. Um, the first one, which I'll do, will be the the shorter of them. Uh, it was just a basic question on like what's my training schedule like nowadays, uh, and he was referencing you know how early am I getting up to train. Um, I try to keep it as consistent as possible, um, with wake up times, but on the days where I go to jujitsu, I go to the 5am class. Um, so, you know, three, four times a week, I'm going to the 5am class. So I'm up at, you know, 440 getting ready. Luckily the gym is, is less than a minute away from my house. So it doesn't take me too long to get all my stuff ready and, uh, make a quick cup of strong coffee and then drink some water and head out the door. Uh, so I can be there in, in about a minute and still, you know, have 10 minutes left to warm up before class. So most days I'm, uh, up at four forty to train and then I'll do, uh, some work for a handful of hours. Once I get home, uh, you know, when I get home, uh, I'm still getting my son ready for school. My wife's getting ready to go to school and work. And, uh, so I'm hanging out with them for about an hour and a half before they head out. And then I've got a few hours of work that I'll do at a time. And then usually late afternoon or late morning, excuse me, is when I'll do my, uh, my training session, uh, on the days that I do that. And then, uh, in the afternoons, I've got my little one after daycare for a few hours. And so I'm, I'm hanging out with him. And then I got a couple more hours of work usually to do after that, or while he's napping, if that's the case, which that there's no way to bank on that all the time. Um, but that's kind of the general schedule right now. So as far as training goes, some days I do, uh, usually, usually two to three days a week, I'm doing doubles with jujitsu and regular training overlapping on the same day. Um, I only have like really one, sometimes two true rest days from either of those things. Sundays, I usually don't go to class or, or train. And then, uh, Thursdays are another one of those days where I don't train usually on Thursdays. Uh, but sometimes I do go to jujitsu on Thursdays and sometimes I don't. So it just depends on, on the schedule for that week, but, uh, up pretty early for the most part. So to answer that question much longer than I thought it was going to take, that's, that was the idea. Um, this other question, uh, how close are you to going off the grid? And I'll answer it honestly, because honestly, right now, not close. Uh, there are things that we're going to, going to or looking at putting in place that can make some aspects of self-sufficiency easier. 
Uh, I've done, a, you know, I've been getting really into gardening in the last few years and have, you know, taken up hunting in the last five years. So there's aspects of as, as far as food supply goes, um, trying to become less reliant on things like that. But as far as the actual home itself being off grid, it there, there aren't really any steps being taken to that right now. Not to say that I wouldn't like it to be, um, but right now there are other things that we're that we're focusing on uh for our home and so um the off-grid portion of it while it's a nice dream to have uh right now it's not super realistic for us uh but again that's not to say that there aren't things around the place now that we can do to fortify and you know make this a little bit more self-sustaining of a of a living area than it is right now they're just you know small things here and there that you can do to improve and uh you know this coming monday we have actually an awesome guest podcast with uh, a buddy of mine who who is a homesteader and a bit of a prepper and so this is right in his wheelhouse as far as and, and we actually are going to dive into a lot of this stuff so in a few days you'll you'll get a lot of these answers on how you can do some of this stuff as well um because it really is dependent on you know what your goals are for your home and what your goals are for your family and your life. Like there's this really common kind of thought right now by a lot of, a lot of men that I, you know, that I follow in the, in Instagram and all that kind of stuff where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to go get 10 acres and, and live completely off grid and all this stuff, having never had any experience with anything that it takes to do that. Uh, just because it sounds really nice and they're just trying to do the, I'm going to disconnect from the world thing. And while that sounds awesome because it does, uh, oftentimes they're going to, you know, I would say that the chances are more likely than not, they would get into that situation, realize that it's a full-time job in and of itself. If they're going to, especially if they're going to homestead it with animals, uh, or, or grow crops or anything like that, um, that it's a, that it's a full-time job in and of itself. And they're like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I need something smaller. So I, I've seen that happen before and I've heard of it happening a lot. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm trying not to get, you know, put the, put the cart in front of the horse and just say, what are the couple of things that are important to us that we can do, uh, for our family that are going to make things, uh, less reliant on external, sources. Uh, we're not to the point yet where it's realistic for us to do it as far as like power or water or anything like that, uh, just because of where we live. But there are things that we can do as far as, you know, like I said, like I mentioned, like food supply and uh, a couple other things that we are working on becoming more self-sufficient in. And so a roundabout way of saying as far as being off grid, not that close at all. Um, and we're honestly not really trying to get to the off-grid point right now. And who knows if that's even going to be something that we do in the future. If we, uh, if we do something else with this house or another house at some point in the future, um, we're not entirely sure yet. We got a couple of things that we're working on that we need to do here first. So that's a, a way to answer that question. But all of that to say, there are a lot of things, you know, for our family, for, for myself that, I want to do on a small scale to to get better at doing certain things and ad and learn some new skills before I want to take on this huge project of you know 17 of those skills required in order to to hold it down. 
And I would encourage the same thing because again, you know, there's far more work involved with a lot of this stuff than it, because it's more of like a, I don't know, right now it's just becoming a idealized, you know, fantasy for a lot of people because, you know, they see the direction a lot of things in the world are going and they're just like, I'm just going to remove myself and go hide in the mountains, you know, let's go get 20 acres. And then, and if we stop there for a minute, depending on where you live, if you're living in Idaho or even like Montana or Utah or even parts of Wyoming, like the areas that we're in right now, if you're just thinking you're going to go buy 20 acres somewhere, you better have about a million and a half dollars in a lot of places to get that much land. I mean, that's just the reality of, of real estate right now in this part of the country. Um, I know there's a lot of places where it's just like empty, desolate land that you can get for a lot cheaper, but it is like barren desert and there's nothing, which is why it's as cheap as it is. And so it's going to take a ridiculous amount of work to get it to the point that most of these people are thinking, Hey, I'll just do this. Right. And, and think it'll be there ready for me when, uh, it's, that's not the case. And so, I mean, there's so much that goes into these things that a lot of people, I don't know if they're ignorant to it or they just think they can with no, with no prior knowledge, just do it. Um, but I would, you know, I would advise you find some people around you or even via the internet. That's one of the beautiful things about the internet that do, uh, live this lifestyle or, or have parts of this lifestyle adapted to their own that you can learn from and get advice from. I mean, it's just the same thing as coaching for fitness and health and all that kind of stuff. There's people that are doing what you want to do, go learn from them and uh, adapt it to your lifestyle. How is best for you with what you guys can do at the time. So, uh, again, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, but where we are right now, I mean, we're just working on a couple of things that are a little bit smaller scale. So that's how I'll answer that one. And let's move on to the to the final one I wanted to touch on today. Um, let me pull it up here because I want to see how he wrote it. Yeah, because that was the word I thought he used. So this one was uh, the scariest part of my first jujitsu competition. And uh, I haven't actually talked about it on the podcast yet, uh, but I did my first jujitsu tournament back in December, almost a month ago, I guess it was like the second weekend in December or something like that. And, uh, it was awesome. I had a blast. There was this kind of competition bug that I haven't had for a very long time. And I forgot kind of what mode that puts me in when I showed up there and was ready to, uh, ready to compete. And it was kind of cool because it was actually in the same building that I did a lot of indoor track meets in, in college. So just walking through those same exact doors and then obviously the track not being there, but, uh, seeing like the mats all out and all that kind of stuff. But even just being in that same building, it kind of already just brought some stuff back, which was cool. Um, but to recap how it went, I had three matches. Uh, the first two, I both, uh, I submitted each guy in the first two matches. Um, and the in the third match, I got I, I fell into this really terrible position that I couldn't recover from, and uh, the guy that I was going against had about eight inches in height on me, and so his legs were just I mean, long, lanky. 
I mean, just could do whatever he wanted with them. And I just fell into this really bad position from his close guard and ended up getting into a bit of a triangle position. And it was one of those things where I just couldn't do anything because his legs are so long. He had a great way of pushing me away. And uh, the, the more I tried, it was one of those situations where it was like the more I tried to to work my way out of it, it was just the tighter it got. And so I ended up uh, having to tap in that one. But, you know, so all three of my matches ended in submission. None of them went the full the full five minutes, which was kind of fun uh, having that route. Um, but I ended up getting second place, which was awesome. The guy that got first was the guy that, uh, that tapped me in the third match. Um, and it was great going against all those guys. But it was just a different competition mentality that uh that i haven't had in a long time almost uh i mean i want to say like six or seven years now where it was really like that type of okay we're here to compete and throw down type of mindset and it was awesome and it was one of those things where it was a thought that i had was like okay i need to keep doing this because this aspect of my life has been something that's been missing for a while and so i want to do this as often as i can and I'm already looking at the calendar for the next uh, through the next couple of months to see what the what the upcoming schedule is. But to bring it back to the question, which was what was the scariest part? And I think the if I were to use that word, um, what I could say about it was just because it was my first was really just the unknown of how I was actually going to handle the pressure of each match uh, because there is a certain degree of, you know, I, I actually train with a lot of guys that are, and women actually in, in my class that I go to that are higher belts than me that I would say at this point, make up the majority of the guys that I roll with. Um, so from a competition standpoint, I'm constantly getting just pummeled and stuff, which is great. Uh, because you learn and you adapt, I would I would say a little bit quicker than if I was just rolling always against other white belts. Um, but when you step in against somebody you don't know at all, and you're like, oh, okay, because the guys that I've I've trained with, you learn about each other. You know the things that even though they're way better than me and can tap me basically whenever they want I know the things that they like to do and we know each other and we're friends and so there's just this different environment when you're doing that versus you step into a competition you step on the mat against somebody you've never seen before and you have no idea what they do what they like how good they actually are all you see is you know what they look like their size and you can kind of size them up before um but I would say that would be like the scariest part was just that unknown, especially before the first match, uh, because that was truly like after the first match, I was I after I, I won that first match, I'm like, OK, this is kind of cool. Like I got a little bit of a feel for just the flow of the of the speed of competition. And that's another thing that was different. Everything's happening at a much higher heart rate than it is when I'm training. Uh, and so there's a lot of focusing that needs to happen instead of getting into panic mode, trying to just flail all over the place. And especially like in my first competition and especially as a white belt, these are things that like you just don't know until you get into it the first time. And so uh, that's where I was going into it where um, it was just kind of that fear and, and maybe fear is not the right word, uh, but just the unknown of it was what I would consider maybe like the scariest part. But then after that first, maybe even the first 
20 seconds into that first match, uh, I was, I felt really confident in the things that I was already able to do 20 seconds in. Like, uh, I had great, like all my, my coaches were all there helping me. I could hear them all really well. So they were kind of, they were coaching me through the match and it, it was just a very smooth process. I felt really good during it. Uh, and so almost instantly, as soon as I got going, it was just kind of that feeling where, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in competition. Uh, this is, this is fun. And, and it's bringing me back to all the things I used to do and love when I was doing sports. And so I, I just felt kind of right at home at that point, but it was all the buildup up until the hand dropped for that first match. After that, everything was, you know, uh, just having to detach myself from the outcome. Be like, I'm here. Uh, I'm going to do the things I know how to do really well. And I'm going to try and follow the game plan that we set. And then what happens happens. There's, you know, there's certain degrees to this that are out of my control and I'm just going to go and have fun and see what this first competition's all about. And so that's what I did. Um, and I don't know if that'll, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a degree of that that comes up in every subsequent competition, you know, right before the, you know, just in the buildup. Cause it was the same with every race I ran in college and track. It was like, no matter how many times I long jumped or how many times I ran a 400 or how many times I was waiting for a relay exchange, like you still have the same kind of butterfly in your stomach feeling. Uh, you just know how to deal with it more. And so before this very, very first one, there was a little bit more of that, but I would imagine there's going to be some of that everyone after it's just you get better at handling it and so i'm looking forward to doing all the as many as i can coming up and there's already i think there's two coming up in the next few months that i would hopefully try to make uh, depending on schedules but yeah i had a blast with the first one so i was glad that question came up because i wanted to do like a little bit of a recap on that tournament because i had mentioned it in a handful of podcasts prior but i didn't really just want to devote an entire solo podcast to me talking about a jiu-jitsu tournament i was in but this lended itself nicely because it was a question that kind of had something to do with that tournament so that's how we're going to call it for today this was a good ask me anything got a few good questions i'm going to do these probably about once a month or maybe not even that often but we're going to do them more often than we have been doing them because i like getting questions and uh if there's ever any time where even if you're not seeing the ask me anything prompt that I do like on Instagram or anything, but you just have questions you want to ask that I can throw into one of these shows later, feel free to reach out and, uh, and let me know. And I would happily answer these questions. So that's going to call it for today's show, everybody. I appreciate you all have a great weekend and I'll catch you on Monday. Mm -hmm.